Hi, and welcome to Failureology, a podcast about engineering failures. I'm your host, Nicole, and I'm from Calgary, Alberta. Today's episode is a very special one. It's the Q&A episode where I answer all of the listener questions about me and the podcast, why I started it, um, how I make it, what I hope to accomplish, and so on. Um, If you're listening to this on the audio version where you normally get podcasts, there is a link in the show notes to the YouTube video if you want to watch that as well. Um, It is my first time doing a YouTube video. It's my first time doing any video editing. Uh, I assume there's a very steep learning curve. I'm not really sure how it's going to go. So um, please be kind and gentle. Uh, I am learning, I will get better, um, but I gotta start somewhere. So um, here goes. Uh, I have with me today my lovely associate, Eric. He'll be asking questions that I'll be answering. Um, he's, he's a little camera shy, so he's, uh, he's gonna be behind the scenes, but you will hear him. Uh, before we get started, I do wanna say a big thank you to Eric. He has been a huge support system for me for this podcast, um, from helping with the music and the audio editing software um, to buying my first microphone as a birthday present um, and just generally providing a lot of support. Um, he's been a great sounding board to talk to about different ideas. Um, Sometimes I don't even really need him to respond. I just need to talk at him. Uh, and he's, he's great whether he's giving advice or just listening. Uh, so I do want to say a big, big thank you to him. Um, okay, without further ado, uh, let's get into it. So, Eric, question number one. What took you into the field of engineering to begin with? So this is a, a really interesting story, and I don't think many people know... Um, probably most of it and definitely not all of it. So when um, I was in high school, I was really into true crime. I I still am. And I had for a long time wanted to be a lawyer, um, a prosecuting attorney uh, working for um, the province or the municipality, uh, working in criminal cases, um, kind of being a voice for the victims. Um, but in high school, there are different prerequisites that you have to take in order to take other courses. And I ended up in an auto shop course, uh, and I loved it. I loved it. The teacher was great. I had a great time. I got to be a lot more hands-on, which was quite different than a lot of the other classes I was taking at the time. Um, in grade 11, actually, I did a project where a classmate and I deconstructed, um, inline four engine and we then cut some of the sections um, in half so that, and then put it back together so that, you know, you, when you're looking at the engine, you can see the inner workings of it. I think that's actually still on display at my high school, which is pretty cool um, that, you know, 15 years later, that project that I worked on is still there. Um, so from that, I realized my, my interest level in, in um, mechanical systems and specifically automotive systems Um, and I kind of realized that I had, you know, a lot of problem solving ability and that engineering is a really great, uh, direction for me to go. And so that's kind of how I started, um, my, uh, diplomas in mechanical engineering technology with a specialty in automotive product design. Um, however, I graduated in 2008 when a lot of the automotive manufacturers were pulling out of Windsor, um, which is where I'm from. And so I decided to head uh, west to, to Calgary. So I moved here in 2008. Uh, there, there's not a lot of automotive manufacturing here, um, but there's still a lot of mechanical engineering, especially within the construction industry, 
but also in oil and gas. Um, I was lucky enough to find a job for a mechanical engineering consultant working in building science, so in the construction industry. I found that job shortly after I arrived. Um, and then, you know, after a few short months there, I started asking to go to site more and more. And then I kind of fell, found myself within the construction contract administration role where I basically take the drawings and work with the contractor to ensure that the design intent is met on site and that any problems that come up during design, I mean, there's always conflicts. Um, you know, we need to put a duct here, but there's there's electrical in the way or there's a light in the way. Um, you know, do we move the duct? Do we move the light? Do we change the duct? Um, so that I deal with that kind of stuff day in and day out. And uh, I love it. It's a lot of problem solving. It's very much up my alley. And I, I mean, at this point, I couldn't imagine doing anything else. For you, what have been some of the biggest challenges or the most challenging part of producing your podcast? I think the biggest challenge, and this is kind of uh, probably weird to say, was getting started. Uh, I've wanted to do a podcast for so long, probably since I've been listening to podcasts, which is, I would say, eight, nine years I've been listening to podcasts. I listen to them all the time. Uh, I actually, I have, uh, I got a newer car a couple years ago, and up until a couple months ago, I didn't know how to turn the radio on because I'm just always listening to podcasts. So I definitely have a love for podcasts and I've always wanted to do one. Um, but I, I didn't really have an, a great idea before. Uh, I did want to do something that everyone else was doing. And, um, and then I kind of was studying for an engineering ethics exam and I came across a lot of failures in the textbooks I was reading. And every chapter I noticed that I would kind of rush through the content to get to the failure because that was my favorite part. It was almost like a reward for reading the chapter. And, and then once I kind of realized how much I was enjoying that, I started looking for more content and there aren't a lot of podcasts that focus on engineering failures. There are podcasts that cover some failures amongst the other topics that they cover, but a podcast specifically on, um, engineering failures isn't really too, too common. So, um, that's kind of where I got my idea and then I started going from there. Once I got to that point, um, there's also a lot of things you have to take into consideration. So I had to develop a logo. Um, I wanted to have a website because I post pictures for every episode. I think that really helps tell the story. Um, I needed to find a podcast hosting site and there are very many of those. So I had to pick one. Um, I had to make sure I had enough content so that I could put out, you know, quality episodes every week. I didn't want to start a podcast about engineering failures, only knowing about five of them and not being able to find any more. I mean, that's not going to last very long. So there's a lot of work that went into it. I think I spent three or four months kind of developing the concept and playing around with how I was going to produce each episode before I really even started recording. Um, I think, I think before I started recording my first episode, I probably had, or sorry, before I started, before I posted my first episode, I think I had six or seven episodes researched and written because I just wanted to make sure that I kind of knew what I was doing and I had a plan before I committed to this, you know, this regular weekly uh, content. Um, so hopefully I've delivered on all of the goals that I've, that I've intended to, um, but, but it was a lot more work went into it than I had originally intended. And I would say the hardest part, I guess, would be starting in the first place and just kind of going from there. Where did you get the music and where do you typically find your sound effects for producing your podcast week to week? 
So the music came from Eric. Uh, he made it from some music software that he has. Um, so that was a really cool collaborative process that we got to do together. Uh, I had initially just requested that he strum a few chords on a guitar. Um, I didn't want anything too, too fancy, but uh, what he made was way, way better. And I love the episode, or sorry, I love the intro music. Um, sometimes I walk around the house humming it and dancing along. Uh, it's just, I'm, I'm, uh, I love the music so much. And then for the sound effects, some of them I find online. Uh, there are sound generators online that you can download for free. Uh, and some of them I make myself. So the Flint episode, I did pouring water. I made that. We had two glasses. We poured water from one into the other in front of the microphone. And that's how we came up with that piece. Uh, I started using sound effects in episode 10. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, it was a different addition to the podcast that I thought made it a little more creative. So I'm trying to do that more and more with each episode. Um, and so we'll see what kind of different creative things I can come up with. What do you hope to accomplish? Do you have any specific goals or milestones or anything you're trying to reach with your podcast or what do you strive to? So I started this podcast with engineering students in mind. Uh, I know that failures are covered, but I think it is a little dependent on who your teacher is, um, which university you're at, as far as how much, how much depth they go into during your education on and which failures they cover. Um, you know, I think if you're going to school and your specialty is mechanical, they're probably going to talk about a lot of mechanical failures. But maybe you don't learn too much about structural ones or electrical ones. Um, so, so I kind of started with students in mind. And knowing that uh, within the podcast uh, medium, there was not a lot of coverage of engineering failures. Um, but what I found after starting this podcast is that, and this is my favorite part, is that I've started a conversation. So I have colleagues coming up to me and talking to me about failures I've covered. I've had strangers reach out to me. Um, my parents both listen to the podcast and when I talk to them, they usually bring up something about the episode. My dad and I like to get into these really interesting and sometimes weird conversations about the different failures. There's usually one part of the episode that sticks with him and so we'll kind of talk about that. Uh, my brother also works in mechanical engineering, so he's been a huge support system for the podcast, and we always have really interesting discussions about the failures. Um, so while I did start it for students and to, to start that conversation and hopefully fill that gap in their education process, um, what I found really cool that's come out of this is the conversation, and so that's kind of what I'm focusing on as I continue to grow, is what different conversations can I start and and how can the engineering community as a whole grow from these lessons? How do you determine the topics that you use in each episode or go about finding new ones? So I have an Excel sheet, I know, big shock, um, that I keep track of all of the different topics or failures that I've heard about. If I'm reading on the internet or I come across someone and they mention a new failure, I put it on the list. Um, I also follow a few different subreddits, specifically Catastrophic Failure. They, they have a lot of different failures that are not all engineering related, but there are still a lot on there. So I'm continuously adding to the list. Um, I've also had some listeners reach out and tell me about failures I've never heard of. Those get added to the list. Um, so yeah, I'm just, I'm just continuing to grow that list. There are significantly more failures than I had ever expected to come across. 
which is both impressive and a little bit sad. How much time do you specific? Uh, <laughs> How much time would you say you invest uh, each week in developing the podcast? So it depends on the episode. Um, some episodes take me a little longer than normal. It kind of depends on how technical they are. For example, um, some of the, the Hartford Arena roof collapse was really structurally technical. That is not my wheelhouse. I had to really dig deep on that one to learn about the structure and what it was supposed to be built like in order to really understand and explain what went wrong in that construction. Um, same with the Chernobyl episode. I'm, I'm definitely not an expert on nuclear fission. It's not something that I really know a lot about. And so I definitely spent a lot of time on that episode because I feel like I have to understand what happened in order to explain it to you guys. And so that one was a bit tricky. I would say on average, the episodes are 10 to 20 hours a week. I probably spend for each episode. Um, some weeks that's fine and some weeks that's a lot. Uh, it really depends on what else is going on. You know, with, um, with Corona going on, I, I don't have a ton of social events that I'm, that I need to go to, but I do have a very stressful and demanding job. Um, so I am trying to streamline my process, trying to make things a little bit simpler for myself. Um, and, and make the episodes a little bit easier to prepare while still continuing, continuing to produce good content. Um, you know, I don't, I definitely don't want to half-ass it, but I do need to find a way to make it a little bit um, easier on myself. Uh, I have thought about doing bi-weekly episodes, but I I really don't want to. I, I really enjoy the fact that I'm putting out weekly content. I like seeing the growth. I like seeing the interaction, the conversations that I'm having, and I'm really not ready to change that. So I'm just trying to tweak my process to make that a little bit better. Do you typically work on more than one episode of the podcast at a time or try to compartmentalize and focus on just one at a time? Um, so far, I've just done one at a time. I am, I have so many things going on in my brain that I'm afraid if I try to work on more than one thing at a time that I'm going to start getting them all confused. Um, I don't know how accurate that is, but that's just kind of the, the way that I've gone about it so far. I, I do think though, as I start, start to streamline my process, that it, that is something that I'm going to have to look into. Um, I also think that it kind of depends on, uh, on what I'm feeling. So if, you know, sometimes I want to work on the podcast, but I don't necessarily feel like recording or maybe I don't necessarily feel like researching. Um, you know, so I do try to, I do try to listen to my brain and what it wants to do. And so I, I do try to try to, um, to find the activity that most suits what, what I'm set up for at the time. I just think that makes for better content, you know, if my heart's really in it. Um, yeah. Do you use any special resources or publication memberships or anything like that to find research for your topics? At the moment, no. Um, to my knowledge, there isn't one resource that would have every single thing I'm looking for that, that requires a login at least. Uh, for the most part, I use Wikipedia. That's where I start. Uh, Wikipedia is an amazing resource. Um, I, I mean, they're just, it's so good. If you can donate to Wikipedia, please. Um, 
they, they have at least some level of information on every topic that I have covered so far. And so that's usually where I start. That kind of gives me my outline, depending on, on, I guess, how in-depth their article goes. And then from there, I start Googling specific items. So, um, you know, if it's, if it's a structural failure, like I did last week for the Sampoon disaster, Sampoon department store collapse, the Wikipedia article was pretty good, but it was, you know, it was a little vague. And so I watched, uh, for that one specifically, I found a documentary that was recommended in the Wikipedia article that I watched. Um, then I look up other articles. I found some news articles at the time that I've looked at. Um, and then I just track all of my sources and those go um, in the, the show notes for the, ep or sorry, the page for the episode. So on each, on the website, each episode has a page where I put the pictures and the sources and a link to the news. Um, so that if you ever want to look at what my sources are, you can go and you can check and you can usually, there's usually more information if you want to go and read from there. And the last question is, what does your favorite sibling do? I see Christopher submitted this one. Uh, my brother actually is a mechanical engineer as well. Um, he works in automotive, uh, is in the materials uh, specialty. I believe, I hope I'm getting this right, he works on uh, testing for automotive glass manufacturing and production. Um, yeah, so it uh, it's interesting because engineering suits me really well. I think it suits him really well, but we're the only engineers in the family. Um, so that's kind of a, I don't really know how that happened, but uh, it did and we both love it. So it kind of worked out really well. Uh, so thank you everyone for joining me for this Q&A episode. It's been great to have you here. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed my video or audio. Um, I hope it wasn't too rough. I, I am going to keep learning and practicing. Uh, maybe one day we'll even do the episodes with a video. Um, but uh, let's not get ahead of ourselves here yet. So if you're enjoying what you're hearing, please rate, review, and subscribe to Failureology so more people can find it. Uh, and if you want to chat with me, my Twitter handle is at Failureology or you can email me at thefailureologypodcast at gmail.com. Um, thanks everyone for listening. I haven't picked what next week's episode is going to be, so that'll be a bit of a surprise, but you'll find out next week. So bye everyone. Talk soon.